Welcome to Write Medicine, a podcast that explores the minds, motivations and practices of people who create content that connects with and educates healthcare professionals. I'm your host, Alex Housen, a former nurse, a medical sociologist and an education writer and researcher in healthcare. Join me to learn from education professionals about resources and tools of the trade and listen to stories about what drives them in the medical education field. If your work involves planning, designing or delivering education to healthcare professionals, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Write Medicine. I'm here today with Regina Simonier, a former pharmaceutical leader, a pharmacist and healthcare provider by training, a writer and a motivational speaker. I've worked with Regina on several projects and I've always been impressed by her discernible passion for demonstrating impact on patient care. Today we're talking about authentic empowerment and transformational learning. Welcome Regina. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for having me on The Right Medicine. I'm so excited to be invited and to be having this conversation with you today. Oh, I'm excited to be having the conversation with you as well. We first met while you were working in the pharmaceutical biotech space, and you're making a transition into a different space now. I wonder if you could start by talking a little bit about how you found yourself in that broader kind of medical education space? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a great question. You know, just looking back on my path and my journey, there's always been these nudges that I've been feeling that, you know, inner voice that's kind of led me to one thing to the next thing that led on to something else. And it's all been building on top of each other. And it's been amazing. You know, when I was in the uh, biotech pharmaceutical world, um, I was building educational strategies for different therapeutic areas and diseases to help clinicians get the valuable education that they needed um, to do what they needed to do to treat patients, right? With the best available evidence-based medicine and treatment. So I think education's always been a passion of mine, always. When I look back through my college days, I was a a formal note-taker, actually, for a hearing-impaired student. And it was always about education. Uh, When I was in pharmacy school, I was always mentoring uh, other students And then moving forward, you know, I I became a clinical pharmacist at Kaiser Permanente, and uh, I was precepting UCSF pharmacy Mm -hmm. students who would rotate through my clinic, and I was teaching them, right? And it's all through adult learning principles, and it was always about education. Uh, And then when I got into the pharmaceutical world, I started out in medical information. It was always about exchange of information somehow, right? And communication. And then I landed in the education department because of my experience with running my own pharmacy clinic and educating patients. I've always been about doing what's right for patients 
mm-hmm. and being there for patients, treating them like they're my own family, right? And so it was a natural progression to join the educational team at uh, the company I was at and building educational strategies to support formal grants uh, in the educational space to close those clinical gaps for clinicians, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward to today, now it's been about my journey transforming into the next phase of learning and education, but for me, as well as what I'm building and creating and learning how to do it, right? So now I have stepped away from my formal corporate uh, career and I am building O Universe. And O Universe is really about, you know, authentic empowerment. And people are like, well, what exactly is authentic empowerment, right? And the way I see it is it's aligning your personality self, you know, the things you do in your day-to-day life with your true inner authentic self, right? And when they are aligned and you're actually doing things that are congruent to your true self, then that is authentic empowerment. So for me, in my professional career, I've had these nudges that keep pulling me towards, okay, it's time to move into this other direction and think about how do you walk this journey of authentic empowerment in the professional world. And for me, it's creating a universe and tapping into that true inner authentic voice. Some people call it intuition and tapping into that voice to guide you to the next thing and hearing your authentic self come through. Oh my goodness. There are so many juicy things to get into there. First though, I think I want to say you clearly have a service heart. I do. I do have a service heart. Yes. I guess you're right. Yes. Now that really comes across. The second thing that I I wanted to comment on is interesting that you use the term nudge because I think that concept's been so co-opted by behavioral economists, especially in the education space. So that word nudge has a, it has a very rationalistic tenor to it, but that's not how you're meaning, how you're using the word nudge. Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. It's so true because when when you put it in that context, I've seen educational programs come through where part of the actual platform nudges the learner mm-hmm. to remind them, hey, you have the rest of this, you know, CME activity to take, continuing medical right. education activity to take. And it's very data-driven, it's rational, mm-hmm. it's logical. But to your point, I am using it in a different way. And it is more about the intuitive sense. And people have asked me, well, what do you mean by that? It's really that sixth sense. It's gut feeling that you get. It's the random thoughts that pop into your mind. And you may think that, oh, that was just me, my brain working based on data facts and logical things. Uh, But actually, in my experience, it's really about um, tapping into that higher soul self, into the non-physical side of things, the sixth sense, and being able to connect that to the physical side of things. And I think folks maybe may not necessarily go there, 
uh, in the corporate space because, you know, you can't really touch it. You can't Mm -hmm. see it. You know, it's internal. It's a sense. It's a feeling. And so I think oftentimes it's not trusted because maybe it's considered unreliable Mm -hmm. and maybe it's even perceived as too woo-woo, if you know what I mean, right? Too, Too out there. Yeah, when you start to talk about inner voice and sixth sense and, and intuition, there's certainly, you know, like you said, it's intangible and it can yeah. be a little harder for people to grasp. And yet there are so many good resources out there now, I think, that do begin to tease apart what some of those things mean. I'm thinking of Malcolm Gladwell's book. I think it's in The Tipping Point where he talks about intuition. It might be in one of his other books I'll uh, we'll make sure to check and put that in the show notes but he talks about intuition as we might think of it as this nefarious concept but in fact it's a layered sensation that builds up through practice yes so the intuition has a sensual and a corporeal component to it yes so there is a kind of tangibility there to some extent. But I'm interested in what you were talking about in terms of inner voice. And I know you're a Glennon Doyle fan and we've read Untamed. Oh, yes. And there's there's a little section there where she talks about intuition and the inner voice. Do you want to share something about that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'm a big fan of Glennon Doyle and love the Untamed book. I read it while we started in the shelter in place or the, the lockdown, mm. I guess people refer yeah, to. Same. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I think it's chapter four and she calls it the knowing. And when I read that, I was just so excited to hear this described in her book. And she talks about it, uh, about how she would go and ask everyone her questions because she was looking for solutions to things she was trying Mm -hmm. to solve, right? And, you know, she went through a a divorce and just changing her life. And so she talks about how she would ask anyone in her circle, what should I do about this? What should I do about that? And she would even go ask Google, right? She would Google these questions. What do you do? When, you know, you're not happy in your marriage. I can't remember the exact words, you know, but you have a, a great husband who's a father figure, who's a great father figure, right? What do you do? And so she talks about how she would trust everyone else with coming Mm -hmm. up with the answers. But in reality, our true self has the answers. It's just a matter of Mm -hmm. asking the question and tapping into it. And so in her book, she describes going into her, I believe it's like a walk-in closet to get quiet time to have this protected space to just be with herself and to almost, I would say almost meditate. And of course, at first she would go through these, uh, her to-do list for the day, make a grocery list and things like that. But eventually she would be able to kind of quiet her mind and her Mm -hmm. energy. And she describes going under and she'd ask a question, she'd go under beneath the surface and she would then hear it she would hear the answer and of course it's this inner voice that she would hear and she describes it as feeling like liquid gold going Mm -hmm. through her veins I don't have the exact quote right in front of me but it's something to that effect and when I heard that I was just 
completely in awe and excited to hear that. So it's something that really resonated with me and um, to hear it described in a different way, like liquid gold running through your veins is Mm -hmm. exactly how I feel. And when I hear it and I follow it and then I see the results, it makes me that much more energized and excited that it feeds on itself Mm -hmm. and you hear it more. And it comes through stronger, uh, that inner voice, that intuitive sense. For me, the thing that really stands out there is you feel it. You feel yes. it in your body. It's in your body as oh, yeah. something that you absolutely feel. And I think that probably takes us to authentic empowerment. And I want to get to that. But you said something earlier about intuition not being something that the corporate world really talks about can you say a little bit more about that and the reason I ask is when you think about medicine and nursing and delivering care as a pharmacist yeah of course all of that is based on Science. science but it's also based on intuition and there's an art to delivering care and if you talk to really seasoned clinicians and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself there are definitely situations where people are digging deep into their intuition in order to address some aspects of patient care and also using their senses I can remember when I was training as a nurse people talking about wound care for example sometimes you can smell very distinctly when wounds are starting to turn nasty even before you can see visual evidence yeah and so I don't know there's just a lot a lot in there to unpack focus on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just going back to the science-based world the corporate world you know why don't we talk more about the intuitive side and I think you're right in medicine there's a cross-section between science medicine and art and you know, you, you do hear that quite a bit, that in medicine, mm-hmm. treating patients is an art. It's the hands-on training. Maybe you have another physician that's coaching you, a more senior person, right, with more experience that kind of teaches you the hands-on feeling of treating patients that you wouldn't get from a textbook or from a didactic right. lecture, right? Mm-hmm. But it's something that you can teach hands-on in a clinic, on a rotation, something I did with my pharmacy students when I was precepting them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's beyond the, you know, this is drug X doing, you know, whatever to the patient, right? It's beyond that. And to your point, it is leveraging kind of the sixth sense or this instinct about Mm -hmm. managing patients and their treatment. I think in the corporate world, we focus a lot on the data, the clinical trials, the you know, market analytics, right? Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. has to be measurable. We have to be able to see it and we have to be able to have something tangible so that we can trust it. That's my sense as to the corporate world being kind of having that culture. And I think that there is an opportunity there to leverage more of the intuitive sense and hold space for that conversation in the corporate world. It just takes, I think, having the openness to receive that kind of information because I think it's a huge untapped resource. Mm. And 
I remember when I was in one of my positions in the pharmaceutical world, I remember the organization took a huge initiative to bring in art into the science. And they had this big town hall and they were giving us books Mm -hmm. about art and bringing in speakers more from the creative world and helping us to tap into the arts and how we do our business. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is great. This is exciting. But I couldn't connect the dots at that time because I wasn't ready to receive it. And I didn't really understand the relevance, right? And now when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I see what they were trying to do. And it didn't quite connect for me. This was many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like there is an opportunity to create the language. I think it's the language to describe the intuitive side. I call it non-physical, the Mm -hmm. intangible with the physical, earthly, corporate, market analytics, right? Strategies, clinical trials, the data. I think there is an opportunity where these two worlds can intersect and that we can leverage the arts, the creative side, and bring that into more the corporate space in a more purposeful, with intent way uh, so that we can solve the things we're trying to solve in the corporate world with this extra lens, extra Mm -hmm. tool, extra Mm -hmm. resource that I think is untapped. And I just want to add Elizabeth Gilbert. She's the author of Eat, Pray, Love. She wrote Big Magic. And, you know, artists and creatives tap into this world all the time. They write books. They create new ideas. And I think Big Magic really describes it well, that ideas and solutions, they all have its own energy. And really, they're seeking an opportunity to connect with a human being to bring forth these ideas and these solutions and to create them in life. And Mm -hmm. I believe that there is a way to connect the two worlds. That's wonderful. I wonder, there's a couple of things there, I guess. One is you do begin to see a little bit more of that in the corporate world, Mm -hmm. you know, pulling in people like Brene Brown, for instance, to, you know, give talks at Facebook and Salesforce and other corporate organizations. But I'm wondering from your experience of working in the corporate world, to what extent do you feel or do you think there are people in that space who share what you're describing who themselves have this yearning and passion to connect those, let's just call them art and science dots for the moment, but are constrained because of the environment they're working in. Is that something that you're thinking about tapping into? Absolutely. I'm working on what is the language that, first of all, allows people to receive the information because I, I think there are people out there who are venturing into this space in the corporate world. And, and I agree with you. I think it's not mainstream, though. And mm. even a part of me, when I talk about it in certain spaces, trying to come through with my authentic self, there is that side of me that comes across like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to think? Are they even going to understand this? Are they going to look at me like, uh, you're, I don't know, that sounds a little crazy to me, right? So I think, first of all, we have to set aside kind of 
those internal fears and that ego narrative and that self-judgment or judgment of others, right? Mm -hmm. And to go in and to be able to translate the language that people can receive it in such a way that that sounds like, oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. And so that is something that I am personally looking into as I'm building out O Universe. I do recall, though, speaking of people who are in the space in the corporate world, I've had a couple experiences, actually. When I was in my role uh, in one of the large pharmaceutical companies I was at, I had an executive coach. And it was a great experience. And we were talking about being an authentic leader. And what does that mean? And we talked about, you know, showing up as your whole self and leading from your heart Mm -hmm. and the whole be, do, say kind of directional way of being, right? Mm -hmm. You be something, you do it, then you talk about it. It's not, you know, it's really... Uh, It's not just talking about things. You're really walking the walk, right? And so working with that coach, she kind of ended the conversation at that, just what I described. Mm -hmm. And as I've been working on this authentic empowerment journey, I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of reading, and I'm working with a new life coach right now. And I pleasantly discovered, but to my surprise, was that there was a lot of context around intention of authentic empowerment, which is, again, aligning your personality with your higher soul self. And the way to do it is tapping into your inner authentic voice and the intuition. And it's really about the spirit of our own being. And when I read all this, I went back to that executive coach I had in the pharmaceutical world. And I was like, you know, I'm learning all this information. And when you were talking to me about authentic leadership, is this where you were coming from? Because I Mm. feel like the conversation just kind of ended at just show up as your whole self. Why Mm -hmm. didn't we talk about the other pieces, the other things I mentioned? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that is a conversation I still need to have with that coach that I had because you know, her initial response quickly, because we haven't had time to get together yet, is that, oh, gosh, I could talk to you for hours about this and coaching in the corporate world and what it means to show up as your authentic self or to be an authentic leader and tapping into the intuitive voice. And I think there are people who are doing it, but maybe not outright publicly practicing this in mainstream kind of corporate America, in my experience. Mm -hmm. No, that makes total sense. I guess I was asking the question from a place of likely receptivity. Like, it seems to me that, you know, most people want more from their work, from their lives. And the way that you're describing authentic empowerment sounds like a way to get to that. So maybe we can talk just a little bit more about O-Universe and what your vision is for that in relation to growth and transformation? Yeah, no, that's a a great question. I would agree with you that, yes, I I do feel like people are seeking the more, I want to say, self-fulfillment, the joy in what they're doing uh, in their everyday lives, um, finding that passion. So I would agree with you that I think people are seeking that. I'm not sure if they've yet connected the dots to what we're talking about in authentic empowerment. And so to your point, yes, O-Universe 
is really my way of I partly selfishly to create a community or a tribe of people with like-minded motivations and who are inspired to really find this calling that they can align their personality selves, their their day-to-day lives. And so I am on this journey to create O Universe, reaching out to people who are already motivated and inspired to find their path aligned to their higher, true, authentic self by way of tapping into their inner authentic voice, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm writing my story about how I found it in my personal life and how I had to make changes and how I built a life around my ego narrative and seeking external power, right? It was the career. Mm. It was the, it was a success checklist, right? And coming Mm. from an Asian background, it's that culture of what does success look like? You know, Mm. it's getting Mm -hmm. the advanced degree. It's having the professional career, even having the doctor husband and having the big, nice house with the, you know, the luxurious vacations that we would travel overseas twice a year. It was all these things, all the pretty little things that said, I'm successful, right? And so Mm -hmm. I was down that path in my 20s and mid 30s. And that gut voice came through and said, not this, right? And it took a long time. Mm. But I had to burn it all down and start over, right? And so I did. And so I did that authentic empowerment in my personal life and I rebuilt my personal life. Mm -hmm. And that little voice came back and was like, now it's time to do it in your professional life. So I'm coming full circle and I'm I'm writing about it and I, I plan to share this story sometime in the future. I am also speaking about it as I'm I'm sharing with you today and look to do future speaking engagements. And then the biggest thing, one of the bigger things that I'm really excited about, as I've shared with you, is eventually holding well-being and writing retreats at our home in France that we recently got this year. It's my husband's childhood home in Vandalicor, 45 minutes north of Paris. And Mm. so, you know, the plan is to be there for three months or so, coming up here very soon to think about how to host well-being and writing retreats so that people can come into this community and learn about how to get onto the journey of authentic empowerment and have a community to support you, as well as to learn the tools and the rituals and the the practices that get you there. So that's what O Universe is all about. That is so exciting. And your personal story is very powerful. And I'm struck when you were talking about all the things that, and you talked about your personal story and the influence of your ethnicity on that story. I'm also struck many of the things that you talk about are also things that women, professional women, get really sucked into as external badges of you know, power in the world. And it's, it can be really challenging to even think about giving those up. Oh, yeah. We're we're really kind of focused on pursuing them. I wanted to ask you a question about if people in the medical education, and I'm defining that broadly, space were to embrace authentic empowerment, 
how would education change? What would it look like? And how might healthcare change? Because ultimately, education is really kind of focused on supporting and changing healthcare to support patients. Absolutely, it is. I will say that if the folks who are in the medical education space were to embrace authentic empowerment, I think that they would be co-creating solutions, tapping into their intuitive voice on how to create these solutions to things that they're trying to solve for. And the, the piece that's really, I think, interesting and fascinating to me is that we cannot imagine all the potential solutions that are out there. Like mm. humanistically, we, mm. we can't. I think we have a sliver of it. And I think the educational programs that we have created to date and all the innovation and great things that we've done are great educational programs that are strong to help clinicians and patients uh, manage their health and health care altogether. But I, I want to just raise the question to the community, what if you're missing a big piece of the puzzle because you are not tapping into this resource that's available to all of us? We mm -hmm. just need to learn how to do it. First, increase your awareness about it. Know that it's there. Uh, and then learn how to do it. Practice it. Put it into play. And see how your world and your space will transform. Because now you're inviting co-creation with the non-physical side of things. Things that you may not necessarily be able to touch or see. But I just want to say that before the microscope was invented, which was, I think, in the 1500s, I think it was 1560, we couldn't see cells. We couldn't see things, right? right? We could yeah. see, uh, I think what was described um, was that we could see a thin piece of hair, right? Our hair. But beyond that, you couldn't see anything else. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's real, that it's not real. Right. So yeah. I just want to call that out and that I think we don't have all the answers alone. And that if we tap into this, I think there will be unimaginable solutions beyond our imagination. So I can't tell you specifically how it would change, but I think it would change for the better. Mm -hmm. I do think it would improve and I think it would solve things that healthcare hasn't been able to solve on its own. I love that. There's a wonderful book, and I think it's called The Body from Surface to Depth by a writer called Barbara Stafford. She's an academic, but she talks precisely about that. The layering of knowledge about the human body and that we could see in a gross fashion, but technology has evolved in a way like the microscope that has allowed us to see smaller and smaller you know, components of the human body that make up this incredible whole. And, and what are we not seeing yeah. by not having the kind of tools that you're talking about? And so just to kind of wrap up, you've talked about tools and you've talked about practices. What are one or two of the practices that might help people start to think about that inner voice, that authentic empowerment? Well, I actually, the essay that I, that I wrote, which I'll send you the link to, talks about two of my rituals that I do, my morning rituals. Um, and it describes it in detail on how to do it. But 
And right now I'm blessed to have time and space to create a universe. And uh, I don't wake up to an alarm, but my <laughs> dog nice. wakes me up, <laughs> but <laughs> it's been a nice change. Uh, and so I have created time and space for my morning rituals, which starts with a seven minute meditation that I do in my home office in a really comfortable sofa chair, uh, listening to a station with uh, water music. And the seven minutes of meditation, really quieting the mind and doing just the deep breathing exercises. And mm-hmm. I am not a person who's into meditation. Let me tell you, I've tried for years and I didn't get it until I heard Gabby Bernstein talking about the five second rule right? It's the inhalation for five seconds, hold your breath for five seconds and exhale for five seconds. And just Mm -hmm. counting down focuses your mind on the count and the breath. And that's it. That's meditation. So I do that for seven minutes to be a receiver because you, you need the quiet space to be able to receive these random thoughts. If you're always on the go and you're stressed about your agenda, your schedule, et cetera, it's really hard to hear the inner authentic voice because you're always on the go and you're super busy. So it's quieting the mind and finding that space. And then number two, I do journaling right after meditation. And so whatever comes to mind comes through stream of consciousness. I write it out, right? I I start my journaling with dear universe and uh, non-physical team of light, right? It's, It's the folks out there that I know that are co-creating with me. Uh, and so I start with either gratitude, thankful for whatever I've received and heard through my inner authentic voice and what I'm grateful for. And the biggest thing I do is really write down a question in my mind that I'm trying to answer or that I'm trying to solve for something to come up with a solution, right? And so I write about that and it comes back to me in my writing. The answers come back to me in my writing, which is tapping into my in our oh, yeah. voice, right? So, I mean, that's two big things that, that I do. And I guess the third thing is I have a morning round table and Ooh. I'm smiling uh, because to some folks, it may sound a little woo-woo, um, but I, it's something that my life coach had taught me how to do this. And my morning round table is really just having a meeting with the non-physical side of the world, basically the universe and really talking to my team of what I'm trying to accomplish, where I'm headed, provide, you know, thankfulness, um, ask questions. This is what we need to do. I need your help kind of thing. It's that kind of dialogue that I have. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I'm a huge meditation advocate. I've been a meditator for many years now, and I absolutely agree with you a hundred percent. Uh, about the power of creating that space for yourself for quiet and calm and allowing all the benefits of slow breath just yes. to kickstart your parasympathetic nervous system. Yes. If nothing else. I love the it. Power of that. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Regina, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. Where can Right Medicine listeners find you? So I'm actually on Instagram and LinkedIn. So if you go to Instagram, you can find O Universe under my name, Regina C. Meunier. Uh, and so I'm posting updates there and my journey to France and when uh, the digital courses will come and the well-being retreats eventually when we can start to travel again. 
I'll provide all those updates and, and my writing and all of that. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and I have a page for O Universe under my LinkedIn profile. And so you can find information there as well. And then eventually I will have a website, but that's more to come in the future. Well, we'll have to circle back around uh, once the website is up and running and uh, some of these things in place and find out a little bit more about your journey. And we'll make sure to include all that information in the show notes for people so that they know where to get in touch with you. Regina, thank you again so much. I appreciate talking to you today. Thank you, Alex. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I love Regina's service heart, and I really enjoyed our conversation, which incidentally was much longer than the final podcast. Transitions in life, as in learning, are vital. What I learned from Regina is that we really need to pay attention to deep sources of information and data in our bodies and selves as we enter into or approach the boundaries of transition. She talked about nudges. In continuing education, the concept of the nudge has really been understood largely in behavioral economics terms, drawing on Richard Taller and Cass Sunstein's work, especially their book Nudge, Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth and Happiness. Nudge theory really privileges external nudges from other people or the environment, or as political theorists might have it, influencing behavior without coercion. But Regina's nudges were internal and called for recognition over a lifetime. Her nudges asked her to listen deeply to her inner voice or, as she describes, her gut or her intuition, which often stands opposed to the world of logic and rationality. Sensing, feeling are often not trusted in the corporate world. But they do play a role in the art of medicine and are certainly present in educational theories. For instance, Donald Schoen's work, who developed the concept of the reflective practitioner, argues that technical knowledge alone isn't enough to solve the complex problems that professionals face on a daily basis. In his view, intuition, a kind of rapid, non-analytic, unconscious mode of reasoning, is crucial and needs to be developed through a reflective practice. This is what education providers can be good at, creating the space, holding the space, as Regina put it, for professionals to reflect on their practice and to reflect in practice. Regina wants us to think about intuition as a huge untapped resource. I think there's enormous potential to use intuition, inner voice, gut feelings in continuing healthcare education. And there's certainly an emerging literature on this topic. What do you think? I'm your host, Alex Housen, and this is Right Medicine. Thank you for listening. Thank you.